This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. Your decisions are not only going to give you and your wife a great life, but you're setting up your child to thrive in the next generation. And that's how family wealth is built. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. My name is Andy Hill, and today we're answering two questions from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community. That's right. It's the start of the month, everybody. <laughs> After our questions, we're highlighting another Money Master of the Week. And last but not least, our FinTech Spotlight segment this month will feature Mansi Singhal from Qplum. Yes, you've heard their name uh, over the past couple of weeks as a sponsor of this podcast, but we're going to dive a little bit more deeper into their magical data science and see how they tick. And actually, we're going to talk about why we need to stop looking at our investment portfolio so much. All right, let's jump into today's show. Our question of the month comes in from Stephen. Hey, Andy, I appreciate these podcasts a great deal, and you've certainly helped me work towards my financial goals and help me reevaluate things I'm doing in my marriage. My wife and I are expecting our first child this year, so it will be a true test on how we work around the new costs we will be accruing. I am on pace to pay off a student loan in three years, and I don't want to break that. We max out our 401k, just changed our contributions last week now that We know we can contribute $19,000 per couple a year. Wow, that's awesome, man. Cool. And we pay extra on our mortgage and my student loan each month. I don't want to lose this momentum we have. We've both promised ourselves we would never decrease our 401k contributions because we value investing in our future too much. I guess I'm divulging all this to ask, what do you advise so I don't lose momentum when the baby comes? We have what I consider a fair amount of disposable income after all the bills are paid and extra payments are made, but I'm assuming that will all go towards child expenses in a few months, leaving us with very little extra to spend. We have three months salary set aside, so the emergency fund isn't a big issue right now, but it's also nice to know that we can enjoy a night out on the town once or twice a month and not worry. I appreciate any advice and suggestions. All the best to you and your family this year. Stephen. Thank you so much for the email, Stephen. I am so happy to hear that you're digging the show and it's helping you achieve those goals. Very cool. And congratulations on the pregnancy too. That is so cool. What an incredible time in your life, man. You are going to love being a dad. Fatherhood rocks. As for your question... I have some marriage, kids, and money ideas (laughs) that, uh, that you can consider. Number one, continue to date your wife like you have been. Yes. Setting aside that special time together is so important for your relationship, Stephen. This child is going to be a huge blessing in your life, but your marriage 
is most important. Keep dating each other and have fun. And you guys are doing well financially. So put that money, invest that money in the most important asset you have, which is your marriage. Number two, realize things are going to change. So prepare. If you need childcare since you're both working, that's kind of what it sounds like, then start researching your options sooner than later so you can understand the financial investment that it's going to take to take care of your child. You can look into daycares. Maybe you can arrange something with your family or you can look into like an in-home nanny. The nanny thing actually might see, it might seem like something that's only for the richy rich, but depending on how much you and your wife are making, you know, 15 to 20 bucks an hour for a nanny actually could be, could be a steal for you. So check out Urban Sitter. My, my friend that I interviewed on the show actually has an infant at home in Chicago and he pays his nanny 11 bucks an hour and they love her. And that way they're both still able to work. And they found her on Urban Sitter. So I'm an affiliate partner with them. So if you want to support the show, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Urban Sitter. And that would really help me out and support the show. And again, I wouldn't recommend them if I didn't hear that great review from my friend that um, I interviewed on the show. So check it out. Outside of childcare, you got to realize that young parenting is is also, it's pretty tiring. <laughs> So you may opt for more nights at home watching a movie instead of nights on the town hanging out with friends or or going on dates that are, you know, dinners and late nights and things like that with babysitters. So that's okay. And and you're going to enjoy the the chill because when they're infants it's a little bit more work. Anyway, prepare. <laughs> Number 3. Plan for a 529 when your child is born. So, Mr. Stephen, college is not getting any cheaper, especially in the year 2037 when your child is going to be going to school. That sounded really futuristic. 2037. College costs are rising at a rate of 4 to 6% per year by some estimates that I've read. So, you need to take advantage of the power of the stock market and compound interest to keep up with those rates. It is redonkulous. So once your child is born and then they get a social security number, you can start saving in a 529. I'm going to post an interactive map in the show notes that will help you find the 529 in your state. So you just kind of hover over this map and you click on it. I live in Michigan, so I click on Michigan. I don't know where you live, so you click on that state. And that way you can find out what your 529 plan is in your state. But you actually don't need to invest in the 529 that's specific for your state. Uh, There may be some advantages to doing that, though. So, for example, I live in Michigan, like I said, and I'm able to deduct my contributions from my state income tax, which is a nice perk. And less taxes make me a happier Mandy. So... (laughs) (laughs) So let's see. Number four, your baby doesn't need a bigger house. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Resist the urge to inflate your lifestyle, Mr. Steven, just because there is another human in your house. Babies don't require that much space. 
And the same goes for your car. You don't need to lease a big SUV just because you have a, a little baby. They fit into the regular size cars too. We have two kids and they fit just fine in our 10-year-old sedans. And we've had those cars since before they were born and we've kept them and um, they're fine. (laughs) A lot of people start to spend crazy money when kids come into the picture and it's just not necessary. They will adapt to your lifestyle and they will learn from the choices you make. They're like sponges mixed with uh, video surveillance equipment. (laughs) They absorb and they watch everything you do. Number five, consider saving up more during the pregnancy. So you said you got the three months of salary or savings, and and that's great, but it can't hurt to have more when it comes to the medical costs. So perhaps you save up for six months of emergency savings, and then after your wife goes back to work, you can take that three months of savings and then throw it at your student loan. That way, you have the money just in case there's an emergency. And then if there's no emergency, crush the debt. Bye-bye debt. At least that's, that's what I would do. Number six, you'll need life insurance when your child is born. As you've heard many, many times on the show since they're a sponsor, I like Quotacy. But Honestly, there are dozens of companies out there that can help you find affordable term life insurance. So just find one that you like. The reason I like Quotacy or, or folks like Select Quote is that you can look at multiple policies and they shop it for you. So check, check, check them out or check any term life insurance out. The point is get some term life insurance. <laughs> and I'm not sure if you have it already, but um, if you don't and you were to pass away unexpectedly, your new young family would be in a, in, a, in a tough spot and they'd need to replace your income. So look into a policy and get an understanding of the costs. And while you're at it, check into long-term disability insurance coverage as well. You may already have this through your work, through your full-time job, because you're more than likely to get a disability, long-term disability, during your primary working years then pass away. So cover yourself and protect your family. Number seven, create or update your will. Once you've got a new child in the world, you'll want to update or create your will, your last will and testament. This will help designate important things like uh, who takes care of your kid if you were to both die, Uh, your end-of-life plans, how you want to be memorialized, and then who the executor of your will would be. And it's actually fun. It's a fun... (laughs) It sounds funny. (laughs) It's fun to talk about dying. No, it's fun to plan these things out with your your spouse and talk about those things because it actually brings up some interesting conversations. So, I mean, as weird as this sounds, make it like a will date, you know? And you can hook up with some really easy partners to make this happen lately. You know, we've had tomorrow on the show, uh, Fabric, a uh, new one is Trusts and Will. These all make the process super easy online and majorities are free. So you got no excuses. <laughs> all right, let's recap those seven tips 
just because I like doing recaps. Number one, continue to date your wife like you have been. Number two, realize things are going to change, so prepare. Number three, plan for a 529 when your child is born. Number four, your baby doesn't need a bigger house or car for that matter. Number five, consider saving up more during the pregnancy. Number six, you'll need life insurance when your child is born and long-term disability. And then number seven, create or update your will. I hope that helps, Stephen. You two are already on a really great path, and soon you three will be enjoying the results of all your hard work and preparation. Your decisions are not only going to give you and your wife a great life, but you're setting up your child to thrive in the next generation. And that's how family wealth is built. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for considering our sponsors, everyone. Let's jump back into the show. And our second question of the month comes in from a new listener named Eric. Hey, Andy. Eric here. Uh, 
new listener on the uh, Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast. Appreciate everything you're doing out there and helping us uh, helping us out and uh, reach financial reach financial independence. Um, just a quick general question: When you uh, originally started out with Dave Ramsey and doing the Total Money Makeover, did you uh, on step two uh, when we are uh, doing the debt snowball? Um, did you continue saving for retirement while uh, the snowball's rolling? I know he kind of recommends not um, contributing to uh, employer 401k or IRA during um, when you're attacking debt. Um, just kind of curious as to uh, to your approach on the debt snowball when you uh, when you attacked it. Uh, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Great question, Eric. This one actually comes up quite a bit in our financial peace university classes that. Um, that we help volunteer at our church on. And so I'm going to answer this question in two ways. The first way is what I did. And the second way is what I would do if I could do it again today. So let's, let's start with what I did. So I got a hold of the total money makeover after listening to Dave Ramsey's radio show and I was just pumped, man. After listening to his show, he got me all fired up. And but uh, but I needed some direction. I needed some steps to follow. And that book really gave me some guidance. And just to give you a little background, Eric, I am a rule follower, and I, perhaps it's my Catholic upbringing. But when someone writes down some rules in a book and tells you that there is only one way to do things, I tend to follow it. <laughs> So for that reason, we quickly saved up our $1,000 emergency fund. Check. And then when it came to step two, which is all about paying off your non-mortgage debt, I followed the book to a T. (laughs) I stopped contributing to my workplace 401k, my Roth IRA. I actually didn't have a lot in there to begin with, but I stopped either way. And Nicole and I partnered together at this point to pay off our $50,000 of student debt and car debt. We lived on 50% of our income, and then we used the rest to pay off our debt. And we were able to crush that debt in about 12 months. Our combined income was around hundred dollars to $150,000 at that time, and so we, we used to spend it. We used to spend all of that. Um, and instead of spending it all, we lived on 50 and then used the other 50 to crush the debt. So after the debt was gone, we saved up enough for a three to six month emergency fund. And then I did kick back into the retirement investing. So I did miss a little bit of time there for investing during some of those boom years in the stock market. But, uh, Let's move on to the second part of my answer to your question. What would I do today if I could do it all over again? Well, my friend Eric, I would have invested in my 401k at work while paying off the debt. That's what I would have done because I was getting free money through my employer match and I missed out on that free money. And that is my favorite kind of money, free. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Looking back, I think I would have I would have liked to have collected that. Now, my situation may be different from yours, though. So let's think about this a little bit. If you have credit card debt 
and you're paying 20% plus interest or whatever, something bonkers, I would recommend that you not invest in anything until that debt is gone. Because there's a slim chance that you're going to be making 20% in the stock market. Think about the interest that you're paying and the potential interest that you will earn. So yeah, get rid of that high interest credit card debt first. Uh, That is something I highly agree with with Mr. Ramsey there. But if you have a 4% car loan or a, a student loan that you've refinanced down to 3%, it might not be a bad idea to keep investing in your 401k, at least up to that company match, the the employer match. For me, I had, of that $50,000, I had $30,000 in student loans, and that was at 7%, which I really wish I would have refinanced, but I didn't. And then my wife had a $20,000 car loan at 4%. So based on that, Again, I wish I would have refinanced the student loan that would have gotten me down, hopefully to, you know, 3%, something like that. And if I did, then I would have kept investing in my 401k up to the match. So that's that's what I would have done. So, Eric, I don't know all the details of your specific situation, but as you're listening to this and before you make any big decisions on what you want to do as you're going through the baby step process... I want you to ask yourself a few questions. So ask yourself this question. What type of debt do I have right now and how high are my interest rates? Find out that information so you've got the the right info to deal with. And then the second question, is there any way I can get my interest rates lower? If you have that student loan debt, maybe there's a refinance opportunity. And then also ask yourself, if I kept investing in my 401k at work, how much longer am I going to be living with this debt? And then are you okay with that time frame? So could just do a little bit of like soul searching, you know, and feels, feel what's right for you, you know, because there's, there's a lot of details that, that um, are very specific to your situation that I don't know, that Dave Ramsey doesn't know, uh, that, um, that you only know. So I, I actually, I love, I love Dave Ramsey and, I, and, and he did so much for our family, a lot, a, a really lot. Um, but, I, but realize, I realize and that I think that you should realize that, that he's making this program for the masses, for the millions, and he can't know the specifics of everyone's situation. So therefore, he has to make big sweeping rules to help as many people as possible. And if he doesn't make it black and white in the course, like right or wrong, then there's a lot of ambiguity. So that's what they've chosen to do, the Ramsey folks. It's black or white in the course, in the book, and on his radio show. I think there's a lot of gray area, but it's up to us to discover that. And uh, Dave's not going to prescribe a detailed plan for everyone for his, you know, jabillion, kabillion listeners. <laughs> it's, it's, it's impossible, but he gives you the guidelines and then you design your life and your plan accordingly. That's something that actually took me a while to figure out. Uh, I thought that there was one way and all the other ways were wrong, but that's not true. That's not true at all. It's just a book. It's a, it's a really good book, <laughs> but it's just a book. And it's someone's opinion. And it's really up to us to take that next step. And it's up to us to dig a little deeper and find out what works best 
for our situation. I hope that helps, Eric. And if you have a question like Eric or Steven, please contact me at Andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com or leave me a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. I would love to answer any questions you have. It's a lot of fun to answer these questions and I hope it helps you too. Now it's time to announce the Money Masters of the Week. DJ and Danny from California shared an incredible net worth victory on Twitter, and I just had to share it with you guys. This hardworking couple recently crossed the $100,000 net worth mark for the first time. Yes! That is awesome. In 2018 alone, Danny got a new job. DJ got a promotion. They eliminated their last student loan. And this couple became debt free. So cool. Their story is actually really, really incredible. And I really highly recommend you check it out, my friends. Go to pennies2wealth.com. That's pennies2wealth.com. DJ and Danny, thank you so much for sharing your big win with us on Twitter and congratulations for being our money masters of the week. Do you have a recent financial victory that you want to share on the show? Send me a note at Andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com or leave me a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. It is so fun to hear your victories and share with everybody so we all can be inspired. Tech Spotlight segment this month, we are featuring Qplum, a company that is bringing AI, data-driven strategies, and affordability to the world of investing. I've invited the co-founder and CEO of Qplum, Mansi Singhal, to tell us more about the company today. We're also going to discuss why monitoring our investment portfolio might actually be a really bad idea. Welcome to the show, Mansi. Thanks for having me, Andy. So, Monty, for the last five years, I just want to let you know, I've been not really looking at my retirement portfolio all that much because everything's just been going so well. It's been soaring. But lately, the markets have been kind of not that great. And I've been checking it a lot more frequently. Why is that not a good idea for me? That's definitely not a good idea. And um, this is not just me telling you this. This is also um, research that has been written by many economists. Uh, In fact, uh, Richard Thaler, the 2017 Nobel Prize winner in economics, he actually suggests that one should be lazy. And this is very serious advice because it's natural. You know, all of us are guilty of watching the news, seeing so much about this stock going down, things happening in the stock market. And then we are like, oh, information is on your smartphone. It's instant. It's free. Um, it's hard. It's hard to weed it out. And it's a really bad idea because if you monitor it too much, you are prone to stress. And stress means you make knee-jerk reactions, which can result in poor returns for you in the long term. And it also means high trading costs for you, which might go unnoticed and you might lose on your long-term capital gains. Yeah. So so the alternative then is what, I, what I've read from some of the articles you guys have put together is to become a lazy investor. And that's that sounds funny to say, but that sounds like it's a good thing. Why, why is being a lazy investor a good thing? Being lazy is good. Um, <laughs> the reason it's good, it's because you're trying to be an investor and not a trader. 
And it's very important to make that distinction. You know, traders think short term. They are concerned about the here, about the now. They would monitor their markets. They would act on their portfolios multiple times in a day. That's not the business, you know, you and I are in, um, or maybe at least, you know, not the others are. Maybe I am in that business, but not everybody <laughs> else is in. Um, investing is not supposed to be this stressful. Investing is different from trading. Um Typically, we recommend investors to still monitor their portfolio once a year, uh, maybe. Um, of course, if there's a life event change or if there's any big uh, big change, um, then they should uh, revisit it. But there's really no reason to go back and check it multiple times just because now you have a smartphone app on your phone um, and you can. It's not. It's not. It's not a social media account. Right. It's your investing account. So you got you got the apps right, and you got all these new technologies that show you the information right away. I'm in an, uh, a work environment at my office, so whenever I go into the front lobby, they've got two of these big screens right. playing 24 hour news all the time. I can't keep my eyes away from it sometimes. <laughs> how can yeah. we how can we weed out all the noise that we're hearing about? You know, buy, sell, whatever, just like just everything. What, how do we weed it out? Yeah, and see, the thing is that you know it's not it's not it's not the investor's fault because um, you are being flooded with all this information, right? The media is flooding you. The brokers really want you to do more trading so that they can get their trading commissions. Um, and, and the easiest thing to do is just change the channel, <laughs> just turn the show off. You know, um, like anyone else, I am also guilty on acting on, you know, a bit of the news that I saw. And then I'm like, oh, maybe we should put this trade on. And, and then you you feel bad. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have. And really, the only way to tackle that is if you have a plan before you need one. Um, and by that, what I mean is, you know, if you have a plan to deal with drawdowns, if you or your advisor have discussed, you know, what would you do or what would your portfolio do if things go sour, um, if things go down 5%, 10%? If you've had this discussion with your family or your advisor beforehand and you have set a plan in place, disciplined investing creates wealth, typically. Um, irrespective of market conditions, you need a plan. And that's kind of the only way to you know, mute all that noise. Well, let's talk to the average investor out there or somebody who maybe hasn't even gotten into investing. Maybe they're doing a little bit in their 401k or something like that at the office, but they're ready to amp things up a little bit. So talk to us about um, how Qplum is is helping out the average investor with, with this issue. So uh, Qplum is a registered investment advisory firm, and uh, we typically help uh, individuals and families with all kinds of issues. You know, our, our youngest client is... Is a uh, is a 19 year old. He's going to undergrad, and he saves during his internships. And I'm really like so impressed by him because uh, what he is doing is he's saying, "Oh, I don't want my parents to take any loans for me, and they took such a big student loan for me, and I really want to be independent very early in life." I was flattered mm-hmm. when I when I heard that. And our oldest client is um, you know above 70, um, taking his um, distributions from his IRA. So so we do help um, you know a very wide range of clients and what we're really helping you with making these decisions along with you um, on depending on what phase of life you're in you're maybe a young parent and all you're thinking about is your child uh, and not looking at your retirement account um, maybe you are a tech executive or in financial industry and you're getting these big bonuses but you're not being very smart about investing them and being very conservative 
because now you're more concerned about losing wealth rather than um, returns. So uh, we, we take the time, like the first step always is to get on a call with one of our advisors and we take the time to understand what's important for you and then lead you um, in the right direction, you know, for that five-year, 10-year plan. Excellent. Well, I understand that you guys uh, employ a little bit of technology into how you do this process. So how do you guys differentiate yourself from the other you know, investor down the street that I could go and just walk into his office and help me with my money. How, how does it different? Yeah, I mean, it is a little bit interlinked with uh, Gaurav and my background. So both Gaurav and I are computer science engineers by education. And um, uh, when I came to U.S. Um, as a student, um, really, I learned a lot. Um, and one thing that I learned, uh, which kind of, you know, uh, and as I said, I was in computer science. I never really thought about finance as the industry that I would go in. And um, what we really learned is that the systematic way of doing things uh, is not something that has been made accessible um, to an everyday investor. Everyday investor has either been given a lot of choices, which are very hard to parse, even for a Wall Street bank. You know, if I give you thousands of products to choose from, it's too much research for you to do. Um, they are sold a lot of products, not strategies. And everybody's out there just trying for them to either trade too much or charge in hidden fees. <laughs> so it's supposed to be much more simple. And you only have to make a few right decisions uh, to be able to invest for the long term. So that's really the goal of Qplum. Uh, whatever we have learned in the last 15 years in financial services, I've traded at banks, traded at hedge funds. Um, I'm trying to take that, put that in Qplum, package it there, and then offer it uh, to investors like you and myself. Awesome. So how does that work for the everyday investor then? So I, I have this call with you guys where you learn a little bit about my goals, and then how does the AI sort of take in or, or, or help out the situation? So AI works very much behind the scenes. AI is like that toolkit that we have through which we are able to offer all this at a very affordable cost. So, uh, And we get this question a lot, why do you guys use AI or what is, what's the point? And really where we're using it is, is as a way to reduce costs. And I'll, I'll give you a very simple example. Active management is typically associated with high costs because the moment I utter the word active, people are, oh, you're going to trade a lot, you're going to churn my account, and it's going to charge me a lot of money. We've built an automated uh, system that end-to-end -end, um, is completely systematic, and yet we're able to charge our clients um, just a flat fee. And the reason we're able to do that is through use of AI. Um, if we, I were to build the same system using manual processes, then obviously, you know, I'd lead to much bigger task force. Um, so th that's one of the ways we use AI. The another way we use is um, dynamic allocation. So by that, I mean, markets are changing. There's so much data. I mean, you need supercomputers and full-time quants to be analyzing this for you. Um, obviously, not everybody can hire those people <laughs> or those systems. And so that's where we come in, where we are, again, able to create this pipeline, bring down the cost for everybody, and then offer it through an online platform. If the allocation is changing over time and not you're not stuck in a static allocation, no matter markets are going up or down. Okay, excellent. So 
you you guys uh, you mentioned the affordability side of things. So what what is what should somebody expect to pay? You know, they go through the they go through the process where they talk with a financial person. They 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 develop the plan. AI sinks in to help kind of make the process easier. So you're almost getting active management with uh, you know affordable prices. So what what kind of prices should people expect? Yeah, so to get on a call with an advisor, I mean, you don't have to pay anything. The first consultation is free, and you can just walk away with that plan and go to another advisor and execute it or do it yourself if you feel comfortable doing it. Uh, For clients who invest assets with us, we charge a flat fee of 50 basis points. Uh, So for every $10,000, it means $50 a year, or just roughly speaking, like $4.17 a month. Uh, And we charge it for the month that we serviced, not not, uh, in future. And um, you don't pay any trading costs. You don't pay anything to the broker. We take care of all those charges uh, because we have been able to negotiate all that with the broker. Um, and that, that's all you pay, just the 50 basis points. So how does that compare in the industry? So that's uh, half, half a percent or 50 basis points. How does that compare in the industry? Um, I would say we are uh, very competitive given the uh, amount of uh, active management and uh, uh, oversight that is involved in the process. I mean, you always have zero fee index funds, um, and you always have uh, legacy robo-advisors who are offering like zero fee or very low fee, but then you also have to look at the quality um, of service that comes with it. So for the quality of service that comes with it, which is unlimited consultations with advisors, human advisors, um, a lot of oversight, a risk management for um, you know handling downturns, um, all that included, I think we are very competitive compared to any uh, you know high-end um, asset management firms that typically start at one percent. Wow. Do, do you see this as? I mean, obviously you you're you're heavily invested in this. You're the CEO of the company, but do you see this as a trend in the future where people are moving away from the high cost active partners and moving more towards uh, lower cost effective uh, technology driven solutions like Qplum? Um, we definitely see a lot more interest in um, in the younger generation. Um, we also see um, a lot of interest in high net worth individuals who are probably just sick and tired of paying so much in fees uh, and not seeing much much of a result. Um, I do want to just make a distinction, and it's probably a little nuanced, is uh, we, we get thrown into this debate of passive versus active a lot. Uh, because people normally associate passive with low fees and less maintenance um, and active with high fees and a lot more monitoring and a lot more knee-jerk reactions or watching their portfolios. And that's kind of the mindset that we are trying to change, that we all need a little bit of moderate amount of active management because life events happen. You buy your first house, you do need to liquidate something. Right. Oh, you, you you had a child, you will probably need to liquidate something. Um, so you are already in some sort of moderate, very moderate, active management in your portfolio. Um, we just have to do it at kind of balance it. Um, however, that's somewhat of an educational um, challenge that we are facing with investors because they, as I said, they normally associate, oh, passive means low fee, I don't have to do anything. I can just set it and forget it. And the truth is you never set it and forget it. Mm. Um, so, so you do need some moderate active management, but you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for it. That's a good conversation that you're starting. That's that's very cool. So what, when, when was the company founded? 
So we were founded in late 2014, and our product was launched in February of 2016. Excellent. So what's the adoption been so far? How, how are, I mean, you mentioned a couple of your clients that you have in wide ranges of ages, but how's the adoption been? Uh, it's it's actually very interesting that we have, um, in fact, in our early, early days, we attracted a lot of um, professionals in financial services for some reason, because they thought, oh, you guys look really smart. <laughs> uh, you guys have cracked the code of doing active trading at a very low cost. So I really like you guys. Um, but now, of course, as the firm has matured, uh, we have clients from probably, um, you know, every, every kind of field. Uh, we manage roughly about uh, 81 million in assets, and we service more than 500 families. Uh, we also believe in this... Um, you know, huge amount of oversight and uh, human communication. So technology is great, but technology is written by humans and it affects humans. So you definitely need that channel um, of communication to be open. Um, so we highly encourage our clients to be uh, engaged with us as their schedule permits. A lot of them are very busy professionals, so we understand. Um, but yeah, we seem to be growing pretty fast. And uh, we have also launched our institutional side of the business earlier this year, where we are now sub-advising other investment advisors and other asset managers so they can take our strategies and um, share it with their clients. That's that's, a, that's incredible. I, I, I love what you're doing. I love the... Um I, I love where you are within the process too. You're with 500 families, you're growing, you're, you're taking a new look at the active versus passive conversation while still keeping things affordable. Uh, I'm thinking maybe there's somebody listening right now saying, well, you know what? <sighs> a newer company, Qplum, I, I, I know Vanguard, I know Fidelity, I know TD Ameritrade. They've got these commercials. They're telling me the ones that I need to be with. Why should I invest my money with Qplum? And, and that's an excellent question. And um, really, for any investor, you know, you have a lot of choices these days. I, I don't need to start naming them. You know, you have more than like 100 choices if you start going um, around and shopping around. I, I think the key to pick any advisor, and I'm not going to sell Qplum here, um, but key to selecting any advisor is really what's going to be your process with them. You know, um, If you are comfortable picking a big player who's just going to give you an 800 number and they're more of a broker and not going to take any decisions with you and you're very comfortable investing, then go for it. I mean, yeah, I mean, but then I see a lot of lawyers, doctors, um, you know, uh, successful business owners who who are genuinely uh, lost because this is just not their area of expertise, right? Uh, we all are good at some things. It's just not the same thing every time. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you need more hands-on help and if you feel like um, you need somebody, you're just starting your journey and you need somebody to kind of walk you through that, um, then we might be the right partner for you. Um, or if you're already a high net worth individual or family and you've accumulated a lot of assets, but you feel like you're paying too much in fees, then we might be the right partner for you. Excellent. Well, obviously, a great place to start is with that free financial assessment you mentioned. Where's the best place for people to check that out and give that a go? Yeah, if you just go to www.qplum, Q-P-L-U-M, plum like the fruit, 
qplum.co. Um, you can schedule a call with an advisor or you can take the assessment yourself and um, take it from there. Excellent. Monsi, thank you so much for taking some time to speak to us about this important topic. Obviously, we're talking about our future here and doing the right thing. There's lots of noise out there, but uh, if you get a good partner to work with, it can help cut down the noise and uh, head you in the right direction. So thanks so much, Monsi. Thanks for having me, Andy. friends that was another jam-packed episode focused on helping you build your family's wealth and happiness i hope you collected some helpful money nuggets today money nuggets that's that sounds really funny money nuggets <laughs> you'll find all the links and resources for today's show at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 120 session 120 And this includes a full written version of today's show. So yeah, check it out at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 120. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please let me know by doing any one of these three things. Number one, hit the subscribe button in your favorite podcast player. That way we can hang out every week. Number two, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Those reviews help others find the show and grow this message of family financial empowerment. And then the last one here, number three, join our Facebook community called Thriving Families. You can find it at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash FB group, or simply by going on Facebook and looking up Thriving Families. There's about 300 of us, 400 of us. It's getting big. It's fun. Thanks for considering any of those things, my friends. Michelle from the Midwest took advantage of these uh, these three things, and uh, she left me a super kind review. And for that, I'm going to send her a signed copy of Grant Sabatier's new book, Financial Freedom, as a thank you. And if you want a copy of this book, take a screenshot of your review and send me an email at andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com. And I'm going to ask Alexa, our, our kitchen bot, to randomly select a winner from the reviews that we receive over the next two weeks. So send it in, and I really appreciate your support, everybody. This month on the show, we have an excellent lineup of guests. February 11th, which is next Monday, the creator of Inspired Budget, Allison Baggerly, she joins me to discuss how budgeting helped her crush $110,000 of debt. Yeah. And then uh, the week following, February 18th, we got Travis Hornsby, and he's the founder of Student Loan Planner, and he shares how refinancing and student loan forgiveness can give us some relief if we've got large amounts of student loans. And then the week after that, February 25th, author Emma Perez discusses how we need to transform our kids' education for the changing economy. Super interesting conversations. I think you're really going to be inspired by this month's roster, my friends. So subscribe today and don't miss it. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Peter Drucker. Unless commitment is made, there are only promises and hopes, but no plans. Commit today and take your family to the next level, my friends. Carpe diem. Carpe diem.